Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest presents evangelists Mark and Victoria Bowling, who reach out with their soul-winning seminar. I have known them for, I, I actually did the math, and we have known each other three years now, going back three Freedom Crusades at Word of Life. That's when we first met you. And uh, when we first met them, we thought, cool, they're evangelists. They go to Asia. They preach the gospel and had no idea of the scope of their their ministry. Uh, I'm going to let them share a little bit more about that. But suffice it to say that uh, this is Mark and Victoria Bolin right here. But show me the next slide there, Dan. This is uh, when they say they preach in Asia. This is what they're talking about. Okay, and the thing that I like about this couple that's uh, that really I think uh, is distinctive about them is they they lead people to Christ at the macro level and at the micro level. They're equally comfortable preaching to tens of thousands to you know tens uh, on the streets of Taco uh, streets of Taco <laughs> Tulsa night Tulsa Tuesday. Taco Tuesdays in Tulsa is where they lead one-on-one. They lead the homeless to Jesus. They feed them. They lead them to Jesus, get them saved, get them filled, get them delivered. In many cases, get them off the street, into apartments, in cars. Just an amazing, uh, just from the macro to the micro. And uh, so without further ado, they're going to share with us how we can cultivate a heart for the lost. Amen. So, Mark, it's yours. Praise the Lord. God bless you. It's an honor to be with you. Amen. God is a good God. I guess I'm supposed to use this microphone, aren't I? God is a good God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, yeah, it's we love your pastors. Scott and Trish, they're just wonderful people. We had we had a blast with them more than once <laughs> in Shreveport. So you saw a different side of the serious man here one night. <laughs> yeah, except when he's preaching. But uh, we just appreciate their hearts for the Lord and their obedience to come here and pioneer this work. Amen. Amen. And this this work shall grow. Amen. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. We put a well, before I go any further, Victoria is going to come and talk to you later. But I just want to have, have her stand up. We we've been uh, we've been married for uh, 26 years and counting. And uh, we're very thankful uh, for the Lord for helping us find each other. Amen. Um, Also, in your seat, I don't want you to read it now. Uh, We have a couple things. This we're going to be looking at later on today or tonight, whenever. Um, Very important. You can put this in your Bible or whatever. Uh, Don't lose it. But... uh, 
I, I purposely put this newsletter in your seat because, and we would encourage you, there's another one back there on the table to sign up to receive these. Actually, right now, we're only doing them once a quarter. So if you want to hear from us more often and actually see a lot more of what's going on, you can, uh, when you sign up to receive this, be sure to put your email up th out there and uh, you'll get email updates. And also you can find us, well, if you go to our main website, globalimpactministries.com and scroll down to the bottom, you can click on our Facebook page, our, uh, what's that other thing? Instagram page. <laughs> Because we have constant things going. Uh, the, um, the street ministry, downtown Tulsa, uh, our wings of compassion, it's not really ours, but we kind of came under this ministry to really help them and boost them. Wings of compassion is um, it's a uh, orphanage in Nairobi, Kenya, where they take in uh, pregnant orphans. And we're talking about 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, not pregnant because they're morally loose, pregnant because of incest, gang rape, forced prostitution. Their parents force them into prostitution, and then once they get pregnant, they kick them out of the house. Uh, so that's the scenario. So they, they come into this home uh, just traumatized sometimes they come in they won't even speak for two or three weeks but then the love of God's put into them the gospel is put into them and so right now we're literally paying for all their food we're underwriting basically the whole thing they're schooling they, they bring them in and they are allowed to stay there until they get a trade so through high school and at even college, where it, it's, yeah, yeah. And so what they didn't realize when they brought these, these, these precious children in is they're pregnant. And so if they're pregnant, they're having babies. <laughs> so now they have the older ones, and then now they have these youngers. The, the, the toddlers are needing school. So it's, it's just an amazing thing that's going on. The, may, the, the crazy thing about it is, the, these, this is very unusual. This African couple have never asked us for a dime. They just believe God. And God put them on our hearts and we just funnel into them. So you have that. You have um, now we have this kiln ministry going on in, in Pakistan where uh, the gospel is being taken in to slaves. Yes, slaves. They, they sold themselves into slavery. They're indentured servants. It's a, it's a corrupt system. You know, they'll have a medical emergency. They take out a loan from this kiln master. They can't pay it back because the interest rate is way beyond what they're being paid, $4 for a 1,000 bricks. Children, children making bricks. And so the part of the ministry we're hooked up with, we're take, they're taking the gospel in there. And we started helping them with this in June. We have helped to free now officially eight. The ninth one's getting ready to happen because we have the money in hand. We're on track. By Christmas, we'll have 12 families set free from slavery. As well as right now, we have uh, 
in process our second school, elementary school, being planted as we speak. Right now, it's happening. We uh, Just about a month ago or two months ago, we got the first one planted because the children, they have zero education. They're working. They're making, they're, they're making brick all day, 13 hours a day. And, um, and so sometimes they get favor with some of these kiln masters. Hey, can the children, we're not going to get them out of work in, but can we educate them for three hours a day? And so he allows it. And so we have the pictures. They're, getting, they're learning English, which sets them up for business success because English is the international business language. So anyway, visit our website, sign up. But anyway, I, I gave you this one, though. Uh, well, I'm giving it all to you, but I put this one in your seat because it, it, it pertains to today. Uh, read this later, not now while I'm preaching. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I just want to put vision in you for souls. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. God is good. So let us, uh, let's go to Luke 4, if you would. Are you okay? Luke chapter 4. Um, we're very excited. Uh, I'll just tell you one more thing that's going on. Uh, in India, we have seen uh, 11,000 as of four years ago. I just asked them for another report, and they're really having a hard time tracking it now. But as of four years ago, it was at 11,211 churches have been planted, born out of our crusades and conferences. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I didn't plant any of them. We just plant the seed and set a fire under them and do the crusades. And many of the churches are just born out of necessity because when you have, you know, 50 people come from a village where there's no church and they get born again, you have an instant congregation, you know, and that just happens time and time and time again. And so that's happening. We're, we're moving forward with that. And then even though we're not doing crusades right now in India, we have a different strategy to penetrate different states. Uh, and we want to see churches born, church planters raised up in every state of India. In fact, our vision is 100,000 churches to be born in India. You say, well, come on, that's, that's not even realistic, Brother Mark. You got to understand, it's different there than it is here. There they walk to church. So we need a lot of churches. Amen? Amen. Well, this year, though, we've been focusing on Pakistan. We uh, just finished our third crusade. I talked about the kiln ministry. We're, we leave on November 10th, just in a few days, for our next crusade. We're, we're, we're trusting God for a huge harvest. So far, after the first three crusades, we've seen and more than 203,000 decisions this year. You say, well, come on, Mark. Really? Yes, really. Amen. Hallelujah. After the first two crusades, we don't even know yet from, the, from the, um, this last crusade what we're waiting on this. But after the first two crusades, we know of this. There are already 2,000, listen to this, 2,149 house churches that have been born out of those two crusades. With an average attendance of 90. 
Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's almost mind-boggling. That's called Holy Ghost. Amen. More than 15,000 healings came out of those two crusades. This last one, we, all we know is how many we received Christ. We don't know anything yet. They're working on that. It takes time. Amen. But we leave again November 10th. Now, I said all that, well, to just let you know what, what we're all about, to say this also. And this is where it's going to hit home, I hope. Did you find Luke chapter 4 yet? Did I tell you? Okay. Um, I, we heard an evangelist say this uh, about almost two years ago. Fortunately, I am glad for our sake that we already had our street ministry in Tulsa when we heard this statement. He said, there are too many evangelists. Whoa, 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 no, 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 let me finish. I didn't finish the sentence yet. <laughs> That's, there are too many evangelists who believe God for large sums of money and go overseas and believe God for miracles and work miracles and even put themselves in harm's way and reap a mighty harvest of souls only to come home and then it's a latte and a movie while America goes to hell. It's true. That's what evangelists do. America's going to hell. And all the evangelists are going overseas. Where's the evangelist in America? See what I'm saying? Hallelujah. We want to see souls saved. And so we heard that, and we got more aggressive about winning souls. And we'll talk about it later at Taco Tuesday. But last year, from July to the end of the year, from July to the end of the year, we saw more souls saved in America than the, and it wasn't many. All right. So this is not like a, a great thing. It was a good thing for us in a sense. But when you look at the big picture, not necessarily a great thing. We saw more souls saved in America from July through December than the previous 18 years combined ministering in what we would call Word of Faith churches. 18 years combined in our local churches versus six months of taking it to the streets. In fact, I told you about the 203,000 souls this year. I don't know how many we're up to now. Hundreds of thousands of souls have come to Christ. And let me just say this. More than, I would say, at least 99.5% of them. It might be more like 99.8, maybe 99.9% of all of those people born again outside the local church. Why? Because that's where the people are. That's where the people are. And so if we are going to have a harvest of souls, we have to go where the people are. Amen. It has nothing to do with location, indoor, outdoor, whatever. It's just, you know, if this room right now was filled with a 200 lost souls, I would venture to say we'd see about at least 150 of them born again. 
Why? The Spirit of the Lord's on me to do that. Amen? The problem is getting them here. So if they're not here, where you got to go? You got to go where they are. Can you say amen? All right, so let's pray. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you in our messed up or whatever broken way you'll use us in Jesus' name to bring an impartation to this local church. May a fire be lit in our hearts, the heart of the Heavenly Father to burn in us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse uh, 18. We're all familiar with this. Notice it says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Notice the words, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, everyone say because, He has anointed me. Why? See, the anointing comes on you for a reason. To preach the gospel to the poor. And then he goes on to say, he has sent me to heal. And then he goes through a list. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach or proclaim the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Everyone say, he has sent me. Now that's, you say, well, that's Jesus. All right. Keep your finger here and go to John, if you would. The book of John, just look at it real quickly. John chapter 20, notice verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Notice, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Everyone say as. As. We're, we're to be doing what Jesus did. Did you know that? He said in John 14, verse 12, He who believes in me, the works I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. You're to be doing what he did. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Get excited about that. Amen. Amen. Man, that means you can see blind eyes open. You can see the sick healed. You can lead people to Jesus. And he said, and greater works than these. Well, Jesus could never get anyone born again because he hadn't paid the price yet. Amen. Jesus couldn't get someone baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Why? He hadn't paid the price yet. He hadn't shed his blood yet. 
Amen. So you can lead people to Jesus Christ. You can get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You can have mighty miracles in your life. The key is you've got to remember who you're dealing with. Psalm says they limited me because they did not remember my works. We have a big God. We have a God who brought water out of the rock to sustain three million people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We have a big, mighty God. Think bigger. Amen. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Everyone say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Amen. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That's the very purpose. It's the purpose. Hallelujah. It's the purpose. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Power. To be a witness. Power to serve. I feel like there's two, the two biggest reasons why people do not testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. Two reasons why people don't witness. Number one, they don't know how. We're going to fix that today. Amen. Trust me, there's so many who don't know how. Never assume that people know how because we were doing our, our, our street ministry and I'm going to have Victoria talk about that in a little bit but we, we, uh, we felt in our hearts like you know what we need to be more aggressive about winning souls we don't want this to just turn into a humanitarian thing amen we, and, and we had noticed there were transit people coming through, you know, you know homeless people. They're, they, they're just there on a Tuesday, one day, boom, they're gone. And so we didn't want to risk that. So we're very aggressive now. Every, basically every week we're seeing people saved downtown in Tulsa. So, but anyway, whether it be well, now we teach the word, there's, you know, two weeks ago we had 150 show up. More than 150 people show up on the streets preaching the gospel. And uh, just awesome. Then we have another team that goes mobile to other areas where there's a lot of darkness. And they're getting people saved. But, uh, but before all of that really started to happen big time, we, uh, we invited uh, our core people into our living room. And we taught them how to lead someone to Jesus Christ different scenarios, so forth and so on. And by the time we were done, two people, two ladies had tears. One left in tears. We're like, Victoria's like, oh, man, what happened? Is there something going on at home or whatever? She just kind of left all tears going down her face. And Victoria texts her, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's okay. Is it, well, what's going on? She's, well, um, you know, I was raised in church. I'm a graduate of Bible school. And I did not know how to lead anyone to Jesus Christ. I can hardly text you because I can't see through the tears. Now she's a soul winner. 
Amen. Another lady. Wasn't as as flowy, teary-eyed, whatever. But she had tears in her eyes. A pillar, like a, like a mom to Victoria. A pillar in the church. She received Jesus when she was 11. Played the piano in her church, in the Assembly of God Church, for many years until she began attending to the church we're part of. Just solid. In fact, when our church isn't having church, she goes to another church because they want to be in church. You understand? This is the kind of lady she is, right? All her children are serving the Lord, everything. She is in tears. And she said, I received Christ as a young age. I did not know how to lead someone to Jesus. Thank you. Within two or three weeks, she'd already led two or three people to Christ. She's a soul winner downtown and in her neighborhood. Amen. So, number one, lack of knowledge. People don't win souls because they don't know how. Hopefully, by the end of today, that will be alleviated from your life. So you have no excuse, right? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The second, the second reason why people fail to witness for the Lord, really, is fear of rejection. What are they going to think? What if they say no? What if they get mad? What if I offend them? You see? Are you here? Let me show you something. Go to Luke 9 real quickly. Luke chapter 9. I think it's Luke chapter 9. And actually, it's, yes, it's Luke chapter 9. Look at this very interesting passage of Scripture. Luke 9, verse 21. Hallelujah. He strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Everyone say rejected. Killed and raised. But notice the word rejected. Well, that's Jesus, Mark. Yeah, let's keep reading. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Everyone say, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Amen. Now, I understand. Well, deny yourself. What's that mean? Well, say no. <laughs> right. If you apply, you know, for example, we're, we we apply for visas to go to countries. If it's denied, that means they are saying, no, you can't come. Right. Right. Deny yourself means say no to yourself. But notice what it also says. Take up his cross daily. Now, there's some nice, wonderful songs out there. It talks about, well, Jesus took my cross, my shame, so forth and so on. Contextually, he's talking about my judgment. All right? Not what he's talking about right here. Amen. Jesus had his cross. His cross was to be the substitute for all mankind. You have your cross. What is it? To die to yourself. 
to die to your dreams, to die to your desires. What I mean by that, your own selfish, soulish things. Amen. That contradict the will of God for your life. Amen. Every time you step out to tell someone about Jesus Christ, you are taking a risk. And therefore, in a sense, you are dying in that moment. Right? Because you don't know what they're going to do. Amen? I just know God will take care of you, though. Hallelujah. And it's exciting. I heard one man say, no guts, no glory, no great newsletter story. (laughs) Amen. No guts, no glory, no great newsletter story. I'll tell you, I could tell you a story there, but for the sake of time, we'll just, we'll just keep moving. Uh, and follow me. Amen. Now, let's just keep reading. Remember, we're, I want you, we're, we're, we're focused on that word rejection, rejected. Verse 21, Jesus said. Then he tells us we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Now, keep reading. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I had a relative call my lovely wife when I was out of the country. Chewed her out. He, I, I, he cussed her out. A little intoxicated. Wouldn't tell me to my face. And, you know, they always, you know, you know, whatever. You know, well, he has no right. What do you mean I have no right? He has no right to put himself in harm's way. He found out I was going to, I was going to Pakistan. <laughs> oh, my friend. He who seeks to save his life will lose it in the end. Amen? I, I, my job today is to make you either mad, sad, or glad. <laughs> I am going to move you. That is my job. Sometimes it's in that order. Mad first. As I step on your toes. And then sad second when you realize, oh, he was right. And then glad last when you repent. Amen. America needs to wake up. Amen. Let me, let me, let me, let let me change that a little bit. The church in America needs to wake up. I'm going to, we're going to show you with the scripture. We're going to show you how much we, we need to wake up, all right? So, you know, because most people in America, it's all about security. I believe in preparing for the future, but not at the expense of of obeying God. I have a question for you. What... What you're doing today, not this moment, but in this season of your life, will it count 100 years from now? Will it count 100 years from now? Everything you've worked for, everything you've strived to obtain, will it count 100 years from now? Amen. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because the reality is 100 trillion years from now, you will be in heaven or hell. You will be alive. Amen. And those that you come in contact with every day at work, on the job, uh, maybe your neighbors, whatever, where, where your, your, your world, the people that you're in touch with, 100 trillion years from now, they will be alive either in heaven or in hell. It's just the truth. Amen. I am here today, and so are you. Most of the, the ones of you who have, I'm looking at the, the white-skinned folks, the European descent folks, you're here today because there was a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. After he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't decide to just hang out in Jerusalem and say, well, I'm just going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord and make sure I take care of my family and my relatives, make sure I have enough in my accounts, make sure and just worship Yahweh all the days of my life. I'm born again because he obeyed the call. Are you listening to me? No. Why? Why did Paul choose, choose to go in places where he's stoned to death, come back to life, beaten with rods, shipwrecked? He said three times, but after he wrote that, a fourth one happened. Shipwrecked four times. Are you listening to me? Think of the sacrifice that he went through. When it says he was beaten with rods, Rick Renner eloquently brings out the fact that what that literally means, that they would hang him upside down and beat his feet with a metal rod until his bones would break. That happened to him two or three times. So he walked in resurrection miraculous power because he was healed. He wasn't crippled at the end of his life. Why did he do that? Because he had a reality, a knowledge of eternity. Think of the men who went into Africa. Think of them. Livingston, Stanley, Lang, and they saw very little fruit, but they had a vision for the future. They knew people would come behind them. And now today, I mean, there's more Christians in the continent of Africa than there are in America. I mean, the churches there are huge. Why? Because people sacrificed. Because they had a vision. They had a, re they had a knowledge. Eternity is real. This is not just, well, this is something to do so I can have a nice family. Are you here? Thank God for a nice family. We believe in family. Amen. But there's an eternity. There's a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. Amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Go now. Go to, uh, if you would, Second Timothy. That's beautiful. <laughs> Second Timothy. Uh, wow. Praise you, Jesus. Let me, let me see. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. How many you know? How many of you know the, the verse, 2 Timothy, uh, I believe it's uh, verse well, 6 or 7, chapter 1, sorry. It's verse 7, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. How many know, how many know that? Praise and thank God for that verse, amen? No spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Amen? We, I know... You know, I heard that, and I know it's taught even in our, our young Sundays, our, our, our Sunday schools. So the children, they grow up not being afraid of anything. Isn't that right? Praise God. But look at the context of it. Look at the context of it. Now, I'm going to read it to you. Actually, I'm going to read verse 6, 7, and 8 out of the Amplified Bible. And I see everyone with their... Man, Everyone, does anybody have a Bible today? <laughs> Check this out. Okay, all right. Wow, look at all these. Yeah, well, good, good. I, I like having my device too, especially when the pastor says, go to a different, you know, tra- different translation. But I also like my, my beautiful Bible. All right, verse six. Are you with me? Look at this, what it says. That is why I would remind you, everyone say remind you, to stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. Now remember the the, the time frame in which this was written. The Romans were chasing down the Christians. They were paying a great price to be a follower of Jesus. And yet, in the midst of that, they were spreading the gospel everywhere. Okay? And so Paul is telling him, let's look at it again, verse 7, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, but He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of a calm, well-balanced mind, discipline, and self-control. Keep reading. Do not blush or be ashamed then. Do not blush or be ashamed then to testify to and for our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But with me, take your share of the suffering to which the preaching of the gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God. Did you hear that? 
that just kind of makes you think a little bit differently when you hear the song, God has not given us the spirit of fear. <laughs> Hello? You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that to you. I know my voice isn't that great. But notice, the other translation says, God has given us the Holy Spirit who gives you power, love, and a sound mind. So in verse 6, Paul's telling Timothy, stir up that fire of the Holy Ghost in you. Verse 7, he says, because God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, amen, but this Holy Spirit gives power, love, and a sound mind. And then in the next verse, he says, don't be ashamed, therefore, of the gospel. Don't be ashamed. In fact, take your share in the suffering that the preaching of the gospel might expose you to. Are you listening to me? Amen. There's two reasons why people don't testify. Two biggest reasons in my mind. I'm sure there's others, but two biggest reasons. Number one, they just don't know how. Number two, fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Don't be ashamed. Now, uh, we back to Luke 9. Let me just read it to you again because... I didn't finish. I, I got off a little bit on a side trail. And it says, for Jesus said, uh, for whoever des desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is of man if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, whoever is ashamed of me and of my... Or you could say, whoever is embarrassed of me and of my words... Of him, of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Amen. So let uh, now listen to me. I don't take what I'm saying and say, oh man, I'm just a no good Christian. No, 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 no. No. Listen, as an evangelist, I still have to deny myself. I still have to cross a line I'm, in fact I, you know what I mean what I mean by cross the line cross that line and open your mouth and speak yeah. amen take that risk and I miss it I, I the other day I was running on the beach glory to God <laughs> amen we were visiting uh where were we we were with my dad for a couple of days and uh, he lives down in New Smyrna Beach the shark bite capital of the world few years ago I was playing basketball with these young men my with my sons and this guy was so proud he said yeah yeah look and he pulled up his sleeve I was bitten a few weeks ago and he had a chunk of a chunk of flesh out of his arm you know because they surf right where the sharks are but anyway I'm running I'm running and I really don't like to be interrupted when I'm running because I'm focused on that and uh, so I'm running Sometimes it pays to stop. Actually, Victoria and I were running in Galveston. And she, huh? And she got my attention. Hey, Mark, Mark. I'm like, what? what? And because I was a little ahead of her. And we need to stop. I'm like, why? There's a man. We got to talk to this man. So we stopped and we went and witnessed, the, preached the gospel, dripping sweat to this homeless man on the street. And uh, 
Praise God. Amen. Well, anyway, I, I'm, I'm running, and I see this man sitting by himself, you know, on his old lounge chair. Big, looked like a big cigar sticking out of his mouth, and the thought crossed my mind. I wonder, does someone need to talk to him about Jesus? Just a, I mean, just so quick. Just, and I, you know, just kept on running. Next thing I know, I hear the guy from behind me, hey, hey, because after, after I passed him about 10, 15 yards, this, I heard the sound on the ground. Like, did that guy throw something at me? You know, what, what's going on, you know? And I turned around. He says, hey, hey, you dropped something. When I walked back, I didn't drop anything. A bird dropped a fish. There was like a half a fish right there. <laughs> and I, so, and you know what? I, and he was smiling at me. So sorry. I'm sorry. So I thought you dropped something because he knew he was interrupting me. And at that moment, in that brief moment, I had an opportunity. And I didn't take it. Turned around and kept on running. Thought about it the whole way. I even go, uh, I mean, you talk about an outward side. Yeah, so I, I don't want you, you know what I mean? I'm, so, yeah, I make mistakes, right? But the fact of the matter is, we need to have that fire burning in us so much that we're concerned about people. Can you say amen? So we'll, we'll get to the um, uh, talk about how to share the gospel in a little bit. But actually, we're going to go into it a little bit in detail right now. Go back to Luke 4. I want you to see this again. Are you okay? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said. Everyone say the Spirit. Why does God touch you? Well, he wants to minister to you, for sure. Amen. But long term, he wants to flow through you to touch others. I heard a man say this uh, about a year ago. He said, you and I will give an account to the Lord for every encounter we had with God. Every God encounter. Every time you're, you're worshiping Jesus and all of a sudden you're just overwhelmed by the Spirit. Have you been overwhelmed by the Spirit? If you haven't, you can be. Amen. We, we'll give an account. We will give an account for those God encounters where we're just touched by the Spirit of God and maybe you're on the floor laying there or whatever and you just, you know, well, too much of the time. This is what happens. I'm telling you, this is what happens. We're touched by the Spirit of God. We don't do anything with it. In fact, if we're touched by the Spirit of God, then we go home and it's life is normal again. Latte in a movie. And, and then what happens is those touches from God, those encounters with the Lord, if we're not careful, it can, we become familiar with it. And we take it for granted. And it's, we develop a been there, done that attitude. Hmm? And then if we're not even careful, well, we become very religious about it. Oh, Lord, I'm so hungry for you. We say that every week, you know. I'm so hungry for you. And then we try to drum up a move of the Spirit. And He's not there because we're not doing with what He gave us the first and second and third and fourth and fifth time. And 
if you're not careful, it can get dangerous, and it can even become strange fire. And when I say strange fire, I'm not talking about you don't like the style because people are laughing and losing control. No, I'm talking about you have a form of a move of the Spirit, but it's not real because He's not in it because you need to repent for not doing with what He gave you the first time. Because if it doesn't translate into souls, if it doesn't work on the streets, I don't want nothing of it. Amen? If it doesn't work on the streets, we need to reevaluate it. Because what Jesus did, look at most of the miracles Jesus did. Most of them most of them happened outside the synagogue, in homes, on the streets, on the mountains, on the plain, wherever. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you here? All right, so the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. Gospel. Everyone say gospel. Oh, man. Now, see, we literally could take three or four hours for this right here. Gospel. But just remember the four points, the main PowerPoints of the gospel message, the prelude to the gospel. Number one, the creation of people. Why? Why is that important? Because God's original tent is his will for you. Amen. Eve wasn't cross-eyed. Amen. Adam didn't walk around like this. Eve didn't have a goiter in her neck. Adam didn't have cancer. He wasn't blind. There was no sickness. There was no disease. Amen. And if God wanted you sick, he would create it in with sickness and disease. But all was good. Amen. Everyone say creation. Amen. They were created in the image of God. They were like God. They could look in the face of God without any sense of guilt or inferiority. Amen. They communed with God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's God's plan for you and I. Amen. Now, not, I'm only giving you this for a, a deeper foundation for you. This doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to talk about this with everyone you come in contact with. All right. However, you need to be equipped with it, especially if you want to flow with God in healing. You have to be convinced beyond any shadow of a doubt that it's God's perfect will for all to be healed if, if you want to be used. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm telling you, I read like one or two chapters of Christ the Healer as a teenager. And I, I mean, just after once or two chapters, like, I know it's God's perfect will for me to be healed all the time. Hallelujah. And guess what? I'm healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Whole. Not just, it's not just his will. It's an established fact paid for by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, um, but crea everyone say creation. creation. Actually, that part's not even the gospel yet. It's the introduction to the gospel. Number two, the sin of people. When man sinned, it opened the door for death to come in, sickness and disease to come in. The human race became Satan's uh, 
you know, we became slaves to Satan. Can you say amen? amen. All right. But then number three, everyone say number one, Nine. creation. Number two, the sin of people. Number three, Jesus substitution. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. You need to know the gospel. You need to know Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 and 6, like you know your name. Like you know 2 plus 2 equals 4. You need to know it. Not just here. Here. If you can't quote it, you definitely don't even know it here. What's it say? Surely he has borne our sicknesses. Now, in the Hebrew, it says sicknesses. Surely he has borne our sicknesses, carried our pains. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment needed to bring us peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, each... Uh, of us have gone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Later in the chapter, it says in a different translation, it pleased Jehovah to crush him with disease. Mm. And so we can boldly go and announce Jesus wants to heal you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But then, of course, uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 4, last verse says, Jesus was delivered unto the punishment of death because of our offenses or our sins, and he was raised because of our justification. So not only did Jesus die as our substitute, he rose again. Every man, he rose again, victorious as our substitute. So, number one, you have the creation of people. Number two, the sin of people. Number three, Jesus' substitution for people. Number four, our restoration. Very important. Very important. John the Baptist, Jesus, the apostles, they all said this. Repent and believe the gospel. Amen. Our restoration is determined by our response to the gospel. No response, no positive response, no turning away from sin. There is no restoration. Amen. The Lord gave me an illustration for our street family recently. It's like, uh, pretend like, well, here we go. So. So let's just say I accidentally get knocked in the head with this baby right here. <laughs> Bam! And I'm a bloody mess, right? Well, if I go to the Lord, if I put this down, you know, and, and go to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me for <laughs> hitting myself or whatever and uh, getting, just acting stupid to, to put myself in a position to get hurt, please heal me in Jesus' name. I'll be healed, right? Absolutely, right? But what if I did this? <laughs> You know, I, I, have, I have a bloody head, but I could just do this. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Heal me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Heal me, Lord. Huh? Come on. Heal me, Lord. 
Am I going to get healed? No. Why would the Lord heal me when I'm not repenting of the source of the, uh, the, the problem? See what I'm saying? But you know, a lot of times we do that with sin. Huh? Lord, forgive me. 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 There's no repentance. The prodigal son left the harlots to go home. He didn't bring the harlots, one on right, the right arm and one on the left. Hey, Dad, please forgive me. Can I be your servant? Take me into your home. No, he left them. You say, well, come on, people are struggling, Brother Mark. Yeah, I understand that. People struggle. I'm dealing with a mindset. There's a mindset. Well, I am just going to come to God on my terms, and he's just going to have to forgive me while I continue to do my sinning. I'm not talking about cleaning your life up and coming to God so he'll accept you. Uh Uh-uh. You come to God as you are in sin, but you have a mindset, I I need help. I want deliverance from this. Amen. Amen. There has to be a repentance. If John the Baptist could preach repentance when grace didn't exist yet, and people repented, then you can preach repentance when there is grace. And there's an empowerment that comes with that message because grace is there. Does that make sense? Amen. That's a whole matter. We could teach a couple hours just on that alone, but everyone say restoration. So what is it? Creation of people, sin of people, Jesus substitution, our restoration. You could say it like this. Garden of Eden, the tree Knowledge of good and evil, number two. Number three, the cross of Calvary. Number four, you and me right here, right now. What are you going to do with this message? Amen. Praise God. All right, for a few minutes, we're going to come back to this gospel message in simplicity. But I, I, I need to cover this real quick. Uh, if you would... Get ready. Look at Luke 4 real quick. Who do we preach the gospel to? Let's go to, uh, okay, for those of you who have your devices, you're going <laughs> to, let, let's go to uh, Romans. I want you to see the way he puts this in Romans. Oh, yeah, there you go. Who said that? The Passion Translation. If it seems kind of passionate, it's because it's the Passion Translation. I actually call it the Passion Commentary of the Bible. But anyway, I I still like a lot of it. Uh, Are are you okay? Okay, look at this. Verse 14. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter 1. You should, if you're led by the Holy Ghost, you'd know. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. Just listen to the, the, the uh, well, I'm going to read it to you also in New King James. 
I want you to see something. New King James, Romans chapter 1, and then I'm going to read it to you in the Passion. Romans chapter 1, there's Paul. Notice what he says. I am a debtor. Everyone say, I'm a debtor. How many of you have a mortgage? Thank God, no. No one has a mortgage? You have a, thank you, sir. I I feel better about myself. It's like, man, you guys. Going to look down the, Mark, you need to get more prosperous. You need to believe God. All right. Student loan. Okay. How many are in debt? Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I should rephrase the question. How many wish you had a mortgage? No, I'm joking. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Okay. But so, how many have a, a debt of some kind? How many of you know you pay that debt on that debt monthly? Isn't that right? What happens if you don't pay that debt? It's not, it's not a good thing, is it? Notice what Paul said. I'm a debtor. That means he's in debt. It means you're in debt. Spiritually, you are in debt. To who? I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Now, let me read this to you in, in the Passion. Verse 14. Did I? Sorry. Well, verse 14, I am a debtor. All right, now listen to it in the Passion. Love obligates me to preach to everyone, to those who are among the elite and those who are among the outcasts, to those who are wise and educated, like our sister over here and our brother right here, Amen. To those who are wise and educated, as well as to those who are foolish and unlearned. This is why I'm so excited about coming to preach the wonderful message of Jesus to you in Rome. So we preach the gospel to everyone. Educated, uneducated, rich, poor. Amen. Everybody. Our goal is to get as many people saved as possible. Amen? amen? Can you say amen? amen? But I think there's something that we, if we're not careful, we overlook in the Scripture. So with that in mind, go to Luke 14. Now I'm going to try to hurry through this. Luke 14, and I am going to just, for the sake of time, we're going to do the whole thing in the Passion Translation. And uh, so if you have your device, great. If you don't, just listen I tell you what, the whole chapter is quite amazing. And uh, <laughs> I just saw more today as I was feeding on this, reading it, getting ready for today. Uh, I had someone say to me recently, not well, a couple, well, within the last couple of years, some lady said this to me. She said, men are like, Waffles. <laughs> Women. Do you know the answer? Spaghetti. In our mindset, in our emotions. Uh, 
men, you know, they can categorize everything. This could be going on in your family. And a man said, well, that's, that's okay. And at the moment, yeah, but then you just turn it off. And so you can focus on this right now. You know, men have that ability to do that. Women seem not to have that ability to do that. And there are strengths and there are weaknesses to both. One little thing can be happening in a lady's life or in a family member's life or whatever, and it affects literally every other area of their life because they're spaghetti. Amen? With that in mind, I want you to pretend like you're a lady with Luke 14. We're not going to read all of it because we don't have time. Um, But this is very, very interesting. And see, I think... If you're going to be effective, the more you're like Jesus, the better. The problem is with the American church, we have these phony ideas of what Jesus was like. You know that he was just smiles all the time, and he, uh, or, or not even smiles all the time, he was all the time, and just monotone voice, and like a robot floating, you know what I mean, never said anything unkind to anybody, when, when it's actually quite the opposite. How I many you know that? It's quite the opposite. He called people snakes. He, he referred to Herod as a fox. He called a woman a dog. Not because she was a woman, but because of her background, Canaanite. Are you listening to me? He called them whites. He called them tombs. He called them all kinds of things. And he was in the spirit the whole time. Amen. Now, here's what's interesting here in this story. I never saw this before. If you, we're not going to read it. But if you start with verse 1, you get the, big, the, the whole picture. Jesus was invited to dinner. By one of the prominent religious leaders, the Pharisees. He is invited to dinner. And while he's walking into the place where they're having their dinner, he is confronted with a person with dropsy. New King King James and Old King James. Dropsy, which is some kind of disease where fluid fills the, the muscle cavities and it, it, your, your body swells and it makes you look a lot bigger than what you really are, except you, there's no muscle. It's not fat. It's fluid and it's extremely painful. We had a person like that healed at our crusade a few years ago. This kid was all stocky. Except he wasn't supposed to be stocky. After a few days we were gone, he woke up one morning and he was skinny. And his parents were alarmed. They forgot they had been at a miracle crusade and that we'd prayed for his healing. Like, what's going on? What's going on? They took him to the doctor and the doctor said, did you go see a different doctor? They have some kind of different medicine that I'm not aware of. What's going on? And then all of a sudden it dawned, oh, we were at the miracle crusade. They prayed. Our son has been healed by the power of God. Isn't that awesome? Well, here, here in this story, this is amazing. Pretend like you're Jesus and you've been invited 
Not just by your old chap friend down the street or whatever that you've known for many years, you're in high school or whatever. No, this is a prominent leader, a ruler of the Pharisees, and you're invited to his dinner. See, how would you act? First thing Jesus does, he gets there, and he sees this person with drops, and he asks a question, and he begins to confront their religion. Is it lawful to heal someone on the Sabbath day? And then he puts healing into the guy. The guy walks out healed by the power of God. And he says, how many of you, if you had an ox, some translation says, if you had a son fallen in the pit on the Sabbath, would you help him out? And they were just silent. This is, I mean, imagine you're a guest. We want to be like Jesus, right? Then it doesn't stop there. He notices that these, all these other guests are trying to get to the best seats, the prominent seats, the, the best table, the table of honor. And he immediately speaks to all of them. Remember, this is not church. This is dinner. This is a feast. And he, he begins to talk to all of them, and he says, guys, when you're, when you're invited to a wedding or to some feast, don't seek the best seat. Take the lower seat. He who humbles himself shall be exalted. He who exalts himself shall be humbled. Are you listening? Then, it doesn't stop there. He looks at the guy who invited him and says, when you have a feast, don't just invite your rich neighbors. <laughs> Are you getting this? Jesus was very confrontational. And that's where I want to pick up with that part of, of the passage here. Verse 12. Then Jesus turned to his host and said, When you throw a banquet, don't just invite your friends, relatives, or rich neighbors. For it is likely they will return the favor. It is better to invite those who never get an invitation. Invite the poor to your banquet, along with the outcast, the handicapped, and the blind, those who could never repay you the favor. Then you will experience a great blessing in this life, and at the resurrection of the godly, you will receive a full reward. So who did Jesus say to focus on? The lowly, the poor, the outcast, the forgotten, the handicapped. Are you listening? Let's just take this a step further. I want you to think about America today. I want you to think about our American churches today. I want you to think about our mindset. And I've been guilty of this. I have done this. Listen carefully. Are you with me? When they heard this, one of the dinner guests said to Jesus, Someday God will have a kingdom feast. And how happy and privileged will be the ones who get to share in that joy. Jesus replied with this parable. There was a man who invited many to join him in a great feast. And when the day for the feast arrived, the host instructed his servant to notify all the invited guests and tell them, come, for everything is now ready for you. But one by one, they all made excuses. One said, I can't come. I just bought some property. And I'm obligated to go and look it over. Another said, please accept my regrets. 
for I just purchased five teams of oxen, and I need to make sure they can pull the plow. Another one said, I can't come because I just got married. Now, doesn't that sound like America today? Notice these people weren't mean about it either. Please, thanks for the invitation, but regretfully, I just can't make it. Hmm? Hello? Listen, I've bought this land. I got to tend to the land. I have this yoke of oxen. That's my business. I got to tend to this, this business here. Oh, I got married. You know, family's first. Not before God. Amen? But in our American mindset, these seem like legitimate excuses. You know, we got the soccer game. We got this. We got that. We got this. We got that. We got this. We got that. I'm making money. Everything's fine. I don't need religion. Everything's okay. Huh? Isn't that right? Doesn't that sound like America today? Doesn't it even sound like church members today? But this is what happens. We make excuses because of their excuses. What do you mean? Well, people aren't interested in the things of God today. That's why we are where we are today as a church. That's why the churches in America aren't growing like they should be because people, they're just not, they're, they're not interested in the things of God. No, the fact is we're not continuing the story you need to look what jesus is trying to communicate to you and i in this parable he did not stop and say well these people yeah they had their excuses and they're not going into the kingdom of heaven he didn't end the story there notice what he says are you here verse 21 the servant reported back to the host and told him all their excuses So the master became angry and said to his servant, go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find. The poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, and the lonely and invite them to my banquet. What did Jesus say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. James 1. The Holy Ghost is talking through James, dealing with partiality in the church. Remember that? And he said, you you know, the poor come in. And you say, sit here on the floor. But the man comes in well-dressed with the ring on his finger. Here, have the front seat. How much does that happen in America? Except now we don't even go for the poor. Because they might mess up our church culture. And we don't want the mess. But then verse 5 says... Has not God chosen, listen carefully, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? He says it right there in verse 5. I, had, I was aware of that verse. Well, I, you know, 
since my teenage years. But recently, something dawned on me. It dawned on me big time, staring me right in the face. I began to observe all the ministries that we all applaud, the big ones overseas, T.L. Osborne, Reinhard Bunke, all of them. The, the missionaries who live over there and they have apostolic works. Big ones. The ones that we know about and the ones we don't know about. And without exception, every single one of them are focusing on the poor. Why? Because the poor respond. Does that mean God doesn't care about the rich? Of course he cares about the rich. The problem is they've allowed their wealth to blind them to their desperate need for God. Because if you're wealthy, if you're a millionaire, you are still in desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ. But your riches have blinded you to that reality. And therefore, many people, they just get away. I don't need that. Now, it doesn't mean we don't stop going to them. My point is this. Why do we stop taking the gospel when they reject us? When they say we're too busy? When they say, well, I have this to tend to. I have this business. I have this family matter. I have that. I really don't have time on Sundays. I'm too busy, and I'm doing okay anyway. And we, then we, we start making our excuses. Well, they're just not interested. But Jesus is telling us, don't stop there. Go to who? What's he say? Look at it. Go at once throughout the city. Notice, go. Everyone say, Go. He didn't say, pray that they come. There's not one verse in the Bible that says, pray that they draw, God draws them from the north, south, east, and west. There's not one. You can't find it. Go. Go, go, go. Two-thirds of God's God. G-O. Go. Look at it. Go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find. The poor, the blind, the disabled, the hurting, and the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. When the servant returned to his master, he said, Sir, I have done what you've asked, but there's still room for more. No, there's still room for more. What did the master say? Well, congratulations. Go get your latte now. I, now, I like, we like lattes. In fact, I was driving at 2 in the morning drinking a nice latte <laughs> on the way here, a mocha, this big, amen, trying to, you know, make sure I stay awake. But anyway, I like lattes, and I do watch movies, so I'm not talking about it. I'm saying, though, but why do we, I mean, every soul is valuable to the Lord. Amen. So notice verse 23. So the master told him, all right, go out again. And this time, bring them all back with you. Go out again and bring them all back with you. Persuade the beggars 
on the streets. Whoa, 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 what? wait a minute. You mean to tell me we're not just to drive by them and say, I wish they'd get a job? Well, I mean, why do people beg? Because they don't have any money. He didn't say go give them money. He said go compel them to come into the kingdom. Go persuade the beggars on the streets, the outcasts, even the homeless. Urgently, everyone say urgent. Urgently insist that they come in and enjoy the feast so that my house will be full. Hallelujah. And I say to you all, the one who receives an invitation to feast with me and makes excuses will never enjoy my banquet. But just because they make excuses, let's not make excuses for their excuses. Their excuses don't become our excuses. When they say no, we go to someone else. How many of you know a fisherman? How about, just think of these things that, you know, the Bible talks about farming and harvesting and, and fishing. And how many know when a fisherman, that'd be, first of all, some people, this is what they've done. They, 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 uh, they buy all the gear, Bass Pro Shop or whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, the best gear there is. Then they take that gear and they go to their bathtub in their house. Fishing where there's no fish to bite in the local church. Amen? That's one thing. But then another thing, you think about it, a, a, a good fisherman, when he goes to, let's say, a part of a lake or wherever, let's say a lake fisherman, and he's not getting any bites, does he quit and go, no, he, he, he takes that boat and goes to another area. He's looking for the place where they're biting. And I'm telling you, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what you and I need to do. We need to go where they are biting. But brother Mark, I don't want the mess. Well, do we believe in prosperity or no? Amen. The Bible says God lifts the poor from the dung heap and sets them with princes. There are many, I mean, young he chose church. He, they were, they, he started in the slum. I've seen the photos of the dilapidated tent amongst the slum dwellers. They didn't have shoes. Today, his house is, his church is full of bankers and doctors and lawyers, millionaires. They've impacted the whole nation. It's like that all over the world where men get a hold of the word. They go after the poor and then they teach them. Are you here? All right. A farmer doesn't, a farmer prays for rain and then works the fields. He doesn't just pray for the rain instead of working the fields. You have to work. You have to work. Is it fun every time we go to Taco Tuesday? I think Victoria, tonight you'll share. Uh, is it fun? Is everything about Taco Tuesday just whoo, float? No, it's work. 
It's wild. Yeah. One time we had a guy, because a lot of them have, they, they have mental issues and sometimes demons and sometimes they don't want to be free. We have this guy, he's been there twice, the second time. First time he was just across the street threatening. This time he was there. And he had spray paint. Spray paint, right? Everyone say spray paint. And a chainsaw. And he pulled it out on another homeless man. He was spraying the guy. And the other guy kept coming. I was like, what are you doing? And finally, this is the first time I had had to do it. I had to call the police because they weren't responding to us to, like, break it up. And I, I can see it. Taco Tuesday, guy's head gets chopped off <laughs> with a chainsaw. But the guy pulled out a chainsaw, and he's wielding it, and he's acting like he's going to start it. I called the police. They knew I called the police, so they finally just kind of left. Police, they, of course, take their time getting there. And uh, <laughs> I told him, the guy was spraying the guy with, with a, he didn't realize that the same guy who had the paint had the ch- chainsaw. He thought one had paint, one had the chainsaw. And I was like, the guy was spraying him with spray paint. And you know what the police officer said? He said, well, if it was me, I would have pulled out the chainsaw too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Oklahoma. Amen. <laughs> but my point is this, that was not fun. But did you know people got saved that night? People were healed that night. After we got that mess out of the way, you have to go get dirty. Can you say amen? All right, just we're gonna we're gonna go over this real quick, but first I want to just plant some ideas in you for outreach, because I understand. For example, not everyone is called to stand on a platform and preach the gospel like me. All right. Or not everyone's necessarily going to feel like it's right or beneficial to stand on a street corner and preach. I don't even necessarily like that. You know what I mean? Because of a lot of the people who've abused it or whatever. And they I'll never forget one time I was parked, not parked. I was at a red light at this intersection. Windows down. Nice day was up in upstate New York, western New York. This person's on the, these two or three people are on the side of the street with signs screaming at me, telling me I'm going to hell. They don't even know who I am. They don't know I'm a preacher. They don't know I'm a missionary. And they're screaming at me, telling me I'm going to hell. So I really, I applaud them doing something. But I don't appreciate the method. But so, but there's different things each of you can do. As I go down to some of these ideas, Maybe something connects with you. Amen. Maybe something connects with you. How about this? Taking water bottles to people under a bridge and then sharing the gospel with them. That's how we got started with Taco Tuesday. Victoria actually made muffins. She just couldn't take it any longer seeing driving by these homeless. I'm in Nepal. She makes muffins, and I'll let her tell about it in a little bit tonight. Uh, and uh, just takes muffins and water bottles and goes down to the downtown Tulsa by herself talking to these homeless men. Tell me your story. Let me hear about it. Why are you here? Praying with them. 
so forth and so on. And then, then I, I land, and she has me there the next day. And, uh, well, now we go. And it's, uh, we have people from eight different churches working with us now. How about nursing home? The final pit stop to eternity. We know this ministry where they, they train people all over the nation, and in 36 months, 30, think about this, 36 months, they saw 400,000 decisions in three years in nursing homes. One story. And they teach them to go door to door, every room, through the proper channels. They go to every room, and they shake them and wake them. Shake them, wake them up. Why? Because they're not tired, they're bored. That's why they're sleeping. So they went into this room, and this lady, frail, frail lady, all curled up. They, they shook her, they woke her, and she looked up. Glassy, empty eyes, and she said, my soul is lost. And the person said, the worker said, not anymore, because I have good news for you. They shared the gospel with her. She prayed. She accepted Christ. They prayed with her. They left. They went to the next room. Then they went to the next room. And they thought, you know what? Let's go check on that lady. They went back. They walked in. And the nurse had just left. They just covered the lady with a sheet just snatched her right out of the jaws of hell just in time. Nursing home ministry. Football games. High school football games. College games. People, there's a lot of people there just hanging out, young people hanging out, and they're not watching the game. Some people even do this, door-to-door -door ministry. There's so many things one can do. So many things. Website campaign. You have a billboard with some weird whatever website name, and they go, and poof, the gospel's presented. How about surveys on gospel campus, or gospel surveys on college campuses? There's a lot of college campuses around here. How about just opening up a Bible study inside a coffee shop where college students hang out. And all of a sudden, you got your eyes and you're inviting them to join you. There's so many, there's just so many things that one can do. Feeding the homeless. But don't just feed the homeless, present the gospel. Are you here? There is something every single person in this room can do. Whether it's just invite somebody over for dinner or take dinner to somebody. I know when we lived up in Buffalo, we were on staff at a church. Victoria, she made food. Hallelujah. We were communicating with our neighbors. They were both sick, husband and wife. Like sick, sick, like disability sick. 
And uh, she went over there because they wanted prayer for something. She said, I brought you some food. She'd been bringing them food. And finally, they invited Victoria to come over. And uh, she said, I want to pray for you. But before I do, can I share something with you? Yes, sure. And she presented the gospel. Now, listen, when she began to present the gospel, the anointing came on her after she opened her mouth. See, the anointing's there. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're communing with the Lord, you're spending time with Him daily, it's there. It's ready to come forth. But it has to have a reason to come forth. It's not going to come forth unless you do something. The anointing was on David. It didn't manifest till he ran towards that giant. See? The lady got saved. Our neighbor got born again. Husband said, they'll never get me converted. Then we were on the field in India, living in India, and all of a sudden we found out he was dying in the hospital. She contacted her mom. Mom, mom, go visit Tim. He's dying. She went, preached the gospel. He got saved two weeks before he died. I'm telling you, you can do it. All right? So let's, if you would, um, look at your soul-winning script. Here is the part that I shared the four points of the gospel. Create What are they? Creation, sin of people, Jesus' substitution, our restoration. Here, this right here doesn't go into healing or anything. This is strictly for leading someone to Jesus Christ who needs to be born again. All right? Uh, we, we adapted this from another ministry. They gave us permission. Take it. Put your own name on it. Whatever. We took it. We changed it a little bit. And um, this particular ministry, they even encourage children. They have children they will just go up to total strangers and read the script to the stranger. So I, I, I bring that out. Because you might be thinking, well, I'm not an eloquent speaker. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. Can you read? Read it to them. Read it to them. That particular ministry says sometimes that's advantageous because it takes the focus off you, off the maybe the confrontational, and gets them eyes on the actual message. So let me read it to you real quickly. It says, has anyone, now, now listen carefully to me. Are you okay? Are we good? All right, good. Uh, it, I appreciate everyone trying to witness, and, and if, if this is what you feel comfortable doing, just by all means do it. But say, you know, when you say something like, do you know Jesus? And they say, yeah, a lot of times it just doesn't cut it. Because in their mind, they might be thinking, yeah, I know about Jesus. Or yeah, I, I go to church. Or all kinds of things. You know, I found out like overseas, like for example, I, I was working out. I was working out in a room. I was just beat red face, dripping in sweat. And the, the guy who worked in the, the workout room, you know, he was the attendant. I'm trying to find a place to put my towel. And he, yeah, I'll take it, sir. And he said, sir, sir. Your smile 
what is it? You have such a nice smile. Nice. I had an opportunity right there. I could say thank you and walk on or use it. I said it's because of Jesus. Do you know Jesus? He said yes. Did you hear that? Okay, I said, but I took it a step further. What do you know about Jesus? Tell me about, what do you know about Jesus? I said, well, he's the guy, he like, he multiplied some fish or something like that. See, he didn't know Jesus. See what I'm saying? You have to think, where are they coming from? Because if you were a sinner and someone said, do you know Jesus? Your response might be completely different. So we, we got to be careful along those lines. Bottom, but, but long story short, that guy got born again. I preached the gospel to him. Hallelujah. And you know what? By the time we were done, I'm trying to get away. He said, no, sir, you don't understand. You don't understand. There is something coming out of you. There's something coming out of your eyes. There's this energy. There's this presence. And I said, that presence just came into you. He's in you now. And if you'll do what I do, it'll be on you. Just worship him. Worship Jesus. These things happen. It's amazing what happens when you start talking to people about Jesus Christ. All right? So do you know Jesus? That's a starting place. But if they say, yeah, you might want to say, well, what do you know of Jesus? Hmm? All right. Okay. So look at this one. This question here will help you locate them big time. Notice it says, has anyone ever told you that God loves you and that he has a wonderful plan for your life? I have a real quick but important question to ask you. If you were to die this very second. Now, being that I work on the streets, I usually don't say it like that. Because they might think I have a knife or something. You know what I mean? If they, you know, so I say, God forbid this would ever happen. But if you were asleep tonight and your heart stopped beating while you're asleep, I, I do it like that. Because I don't want them to, because there are people out there who, who would think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right, so if you were to die this very second, or if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Now, notice what it says here. If they say yes, you're not going to be argumentative. Amen? You're going to congratulate them, right? Because you're looking for that place of agreement with them. All right? If they say yes, say this, great, why would you say yes? And then you let them answer. If they respond with anything but I have Jesus in my heart or something similar to that, then you proceed with this script. Do you hear that? The number one answer I have gotten, almost without exception, either it's maybe They'll say, maybe, somewhere in the middle, because I've, they'll even say, because I've done some really bad things, but now I'm trying to be a good person. We've had that. We had, we had a lady. She says, yeah, I've done some really bad things. She was Catholic. I've done some really bad things, but now I, I, I try to do good. I rescue dogs. 
She was serious. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. And then we proceeded with the script. And what's it say? Let me quickly share with you what the Holy Bible reads. It reads, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. That woman, when I said the wages of sin, I'm just talking to her. I didn't read it. I, I just said, and the Bible says, and the wages of sin is death. She blurted out loud, my God, does it really say that? I said, yeah, it does. But it continues. I says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible also teaches that Jesus was delivered over to, over to death because of our sins, raised to life because of our pardon. The Bible also reads, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're a whosoever, right? Yes, of course you are. All of us are. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. And then you pray for them. You should know their name by now. Lord, bless so-and-so. Bless his or her family with long and healthy lives. Father, make yourself real to him or her to do a quick work in his or her heart. And if so-and-so, we'll say John, if John has not received Jesus Christ as his Lord or Savior, I pray that he does so now. And then say, John, if you would like to receive the gift that God has for you today, say this after me. Yes. We have found that this is really effective, even if they don't want to receive Christ right on the spot. You notice it says, I'm going to say a prayer for you. Lord bless John. Like you don't give them time to say no. Is it okay if I pray for you? If they have any qualms, they might just say no. So, I mean, we have found this to be very effective. And if they're not interested, they'll just stop you. Yeah. And if they're not interested about receiving Christ, they'll say, no, not right now. But see, you're just there's that gentle little nudge. Uh, let me now. No, let me just. Just real quick, let me just say this. I grew up when I got turned on to the things of God. I was really into the writings of Charles Finney and, 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 and things like that some of the revivals of the past, and you would see people weeping and wailing under such conviction of sin. And I believe in that. I major. And we've seen that happen in our meetings. We have seen that happen. So with that mindset, though, this is what happened when we were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary in Cancun. I just, I, you know, I try to refrain from witnessing because I want to, you know, Keep it romantic. Exactly. <laughs> Woo! Man. Hallelujah. But Diego was there. Diego, the guy working the pool. He's in Cancun. Praise God. I believe in going to Cancun. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you can't. And so um, <clears throat> at the right time of year as well. Not during spring break. So anyway, so 25th wedding anniversary. So uh Diego, he's talking, we're talking, and I, I, we lived in Mexico for a while, and so I, I, I talk a little bit with him, and, and uh, finally, 
out of nowhere, because I just, my heart, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I said, Diego, has anyone ever told you how much the Lord Jesus Christ loves you? That was just it. And he looked at me and he says, well, that's a strange conversation at this moment. I said, yeah, I know, but. And then I went with the script. And I asked him, do you know if you died tonight where you would go? Do you know if you would be in heaven? And he said, yeah, I'd go to heaven because I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm a good person. That's, uh, everyone say, uh, no, no, sorry. That's disqual. You're, you're lost if you think that. Yes. Did you hear that? So I went through the gospel, and then I asked him this question. I said, Diego, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? This guy goes to Mass every week. And he, no hesitation, no. He didn't know why Jesus died on the cross. And so I explained it to him. He died on the cross to pay the price, the penalty of our sin. So if he, why did he have to die? I, I usually ask this question to a lot of people. If you could be good enough, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And all of a sudden, the light bulbs come on. The light bulb. I said, you can't get to heaven with your goodness. You have to have a 100% A-plus report card, and you don't have that. But you have Jesus' record. He has the 100%. And if you confess him as your Lord, you get in on his merit, not yours. And so I said, will you pray that prayer with me? We, I, I asked him, will you pray this with me? He said, yes. He says, but can we pray it in Spanish? I said, yes. So I led him in a prayer, the salvation prayer in Spanish. Now, this is, this is my point here. This is what I want you to hear. As soon as I said amen, and he said amen, he didn't take a breath. He said, where would you learn to speak Spanish that way? And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this meant nothing. That's my, what I was thinking. Yeah, we're talking about his eternal salvation here. And as soon as we say amen, he's already changing the conversation to something else. So my mind is, well, I sowed seed, nothing happened. That's what I'm thinking. Two days later, we're leaving, saying goodbye to Diego. I said, Diego, go all the way with Jesus. That's what I said to him. And he says, you know what? I was just thinking about you last night, and I want to thank you for stopping to talk to me and pray with me like you did, because when you did, something came into me. He says, it's like I've experienced some renewal or something. Did you hear that? So you can't be moved by whether how much they're weeping or wailing. And maybe, they, maybe they're even acting not interested, but you don't know what's going on in here. You don't know. You don't know. Believe in the power of the gospel. Did you hear me? Believe in the power of the gospel. Jesus said this, and I know it's late. You guys are wonderful. And if you're hungry, I have this philosophy. If you're hungry, if you're hungry, the longer you wait to eat, the better it will taste. <laughs> Listen carefully. <laughs> Hallelujah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet. Where they, they catch all these fish, and they catch good and bad. And at the end of the age, the angels come, and they separate them. 
Amen. Our job is to preach the gospel. That's our job. I just want to say real quickly here, this is just, I like to call it the bones. I don't believe in being mechanical. I believe in endeavoring to have a heart connection with that individual. Don't be a robot and say, has anyone ever told you God has a plan for your life? Do you know where you're going to, you know what I mean? And get, and then you just get them to say a prayer. You know what I mean? I mean, you heard my perspective about Diego and everything, but still there was a connection with Diego and I, you know, try to get that connection. And as you develop more and more, you know, you, you can throw in as long as you don't get into some debate, stick with the simple gospel. But like I, a lot of times will ask them, well, Jesus, why did he die? A sister back there mentioned to her the way, what got her saved, what led her down the path of um, confronting her situation was someone asked her, does the spirit bear witness with your spirit? You're a child of God. And she didn't have that witness. And so she began seeking the Lord and she got saved as, you know, eventually or the next day or something. Um, powerful, powerful. So this is just to help you, if, especially if you've never led anyone to Jesus Christ and you don't know where to start, you don't know how, if you're looking for an open door, that one question, you're opening the door. Do you know, you know, where you would spend eternity? So what do you know about Jesus? Yeah. Absolutely. It's good. Didn't know. So I hope I hope this was helpful for you today. I hope you do something with it. You are surrounded by people who are waiting for the love of God that's inside of you. Amen. You go with kindness, with boldness. Look people in the eye. Let them see. Let them feel that you believe they're valuable and you're, you will connect with them and they will receive. I'm telling you, they will receive. What if they don't end up coming to this church? It doesn't matter if the kingdom is expanding. But one thing is for certain, we, this is a financial scripture, but the principle is applicable to every area of life, including soul winning. And it says this, he who sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He sows bountifully, shall reap bountifully. You want more souls saved? More seed sown. You got to get the seed. You got to get it out there. And uh, you'll see a great harvest of souls. Amen. God bless you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's soul winning seminar. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us or access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.